Well, real estate, it's a, it's a long-term play. So the investment you make today, you're gonna to see the benefit 10 years from now. So absolutely the answer is yes. Real estate is the number one hedge against inflation. So as as of right now, obviously we're in a high, uh, high state of inflation in our country. So real estate is that asset tool that you would want to invest in. The misconception that most people have is that real estate is to get rich quick. And I thought that too. Hey, welcome to the Nomi Network, um, where we interview business owners, entrepreneurs, and industry experts on a more personal level. Um, I'm your host, Chris Williams, and today we have with us uh, Frisco uh, real estate expert, uh, Terry Hendricks. So Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Um, you and I have gotten connected through a, a, a my marketing director, you guys were out in Vegas together, um, yeah. learning some stuff. And um, I always love networking. And um, like I said, um, Juan was a, a good a good person to connect with. And so um, can you tell us a little bit about what you guys were out there doing? Um, High level. Vegas? Yeah, Vegas was awesome. High level mastermind, um, learning how to network and how to build a network of people um, doing events social media marketing and so forth and it was a great level of uh, a great high content event for me because it wasn't about real estate it was about business in general content marketing so um, i'm glad i met Juan and the guys that were out there yeah 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 he said it was nice meeting you as well so um terry with you being a real estate expert you didn't get here overnight um you know talk to me about where you're from a little bit and um let's kind of unpack your story um looks like you were at, got out of college in 2002 so that makes you you know a couple years older than me so you're <laughs> early 40s right yeah 40 okay right awesome awesome and so you were born and raised where so i was born in new orleans new orleans louisiana i, I can't tell by the accent you can't, I lost it. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So you were born in Louisiana, um, deep mm -hmm. south, New Orleans. Um, and then what? You know, mom and dad, um, were, are they from there as well? Or did you guys move to that direction? Yeah, so my mother and father, they're both from New Orleans. They actually met um, on the same street. They actually grew up on the same street, Tennessee Street, um, in the lower night ward in New Orleans. So oh, I guess it a was cool story. a magic match made in heaven i guess i don't know <laughs> I and so they had you do you have brothers and sisters i'm the only child so growing up as an only child it was good and bad so i had everything at least from my mother's attention that i wanted but it was kind of lonely not having really many um having people to play with or having brothers and sisters and having siblings so yeah, I'm kind of mixed about having or being the only child, um, but it was definitely a, an experience that most people don't understand being the only child, just being a star of your mother's eye. Yeah, yeah, sure. And you guys grew up in New Orleans? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Interesting. What was that like in the, in the 80s? Well, um, I grew up in a, a Orleans that was very high with poverty. They kind of also helped me start my real estate career. So I grew up in a home with sometime between seven to 11 people in our house. So I never had my own room when I was a kid. Not one single time that I ever have my own room. So I spent most of my time sleeping on the sofa or on the floor on a little patty mat with a pillow or blanket. Um, 
but it was frustrating. I, I used to at one point hate the way I live. I really did. It was hot because New Orleans is very humid. We didn't have central AC and heat. And if you know anything about New Orleans, we have a lot of termites and rats and things like that just because of the, the moisture and the humidity there. So I used to dream, like literally Chris, dream about moving somewhere else. So when I would go to different stores, um, grocery stores, I would always read the magazine. So my mother and grandmother, they would be shopping. I would sit in the magazine section and I would read different architectural magazines, construction mag magazines, architectural digest. I still subscribe to that. And just look at it and envision myself, I guess like right now, but I would envision myself when I was older to actually live like this because I just didn't see myself living the way I was living for the rest of my life. How old were you when you're reading these magazines? I mean, maybe 10, 11. So yeah, you, there was a burn there for you and you were, you know, I guess, you know, what, were, what would your mom and dad do? You know, what were they doing for a living? So two different things. So my mother um, was my support system. Um, she worked at a hospital um, in medical records. Um, and she was the one that, that gave me the attention and detail that I needed, whereas my father was completely different. He was addicted to crack cocaine. So people can't believe that, like, wow, you seem like a polished guy, but it's also the things that make you to what you are today. Um, but he really, really struggled with that. So we grew up in a crack epi epidemic back in the 80s. And he, unfortunately, he was one of the people to try it and got hooked on it. And it really, really hurt him. But it also hurt my mother and also ultimately hurt me as, as a child because I didn't have a father. And talking about the way I thought about things is I would wish that he was away right? Because he was sick, really sick because of this, this substance that, that really truly influenced him, that he would steal my little games, my shoes, my toys, just to pawn it for drugs. So I was always used to say, listen to me, dude, you can talk about my father. I'm like, you can just go somewhere else. You don't have to like steal from me, man. It's bad enough you're not here, <laughs> but don't steal from me. Yeah, that's got to be tough um, as that father figure and then growing up, you know, yeah. Um, interesting. I guess, you know, you, like you said, those are the things that really carve us and make us who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, you're growing up in new Orleans, you're 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, what's junior high and high school like in new Orleans? Are you going to a big high school or. Oh, that's the best times of my life. <laughs> yeah, so what, 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 what went on? Who were you at that time? Yeah. Um, walk us through that. Yeah. So talking about my mother, she was really big on education. So I was one of those kids that I wasn't outside all the time playing because my mother had me into doing extracurricular activities for school. So because of that, I was really good at school. So I went to a really good middle school that you had to take a test to get in, third grade Marshall Middle Magnet School. You had to have good grades and take a test to get in there as well as high school. So I went to one of the best high schools in the state of Louisiana. So being around other kids who were exceptional as well, it, it built a certain level of competition that you're not the best amongst dummies. You, you have to be the best amongst the best. 
And it was a great experience. It was truly the best time of my life. I wish I can always go back to high school. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about uh, exposure to things that you may have not ever been exposed to. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's great when you can, I guess there's a, there's a saying that says iron sharpens iron. And our mascot was the iron or Ron Eagle. So it's um, synonymous with that, so. Yeah, it's um, it was a, an experience that I I cannot change. I wouldn't change for anything. So, so growing up in New Orleans, and I I don't know. I can imagine there's you know, um, you know, growing up and having eleven people in the house. There's um, you know, you talked about some of the '80s crack epidemic. There's a cultural thing there, if you will, that, mm -hmm. that kind of took place. And um, how did you operate where I'm kind of one foot in? And I'm also getting this extra additional education that none of my friends or family have gotten. Well, it wasn't so much that I had one foot in and or one foot out. It was more or less, I felt like, I felt a certain level of stress that some of my peers may not have felt because I didn't have all the components structurally at home that some of my friends may have had. Um, but at the same time, it also built a certain level of mental toughness for myself that I learned that life will not be perfect. And, and, and life is going to give you the test first and the answers later. So you need to be able to improvise at, the at certain times and, and really work through your problems because there's no one who's going to give you anything. That's a word right there. That's a word. So, um, you know, tough upbringing to success. Um, you get out of this this high school, you know, were there any influential men, um, women in that school that you look back at and go, man, I'm so thankful for those teachers or those friends? Yeah. So I mean, I am really thankful of mostly my friends. So I had a great, great, great core group of friends that to this day we're still friends 20 something years later we all kind of had a similar background we all grew up together went to college sometimes separate places but now we're at a different place in our life but we still keep each other accountable so having really great friends has absolutely kept me kept me in line are, are they close near or are they still in louisiana yeah, so I have about three or four that live here, a few that's in Houston and other parts of um, the country, and some as well in New Orleans, but yeah, yeah, I live Houston, New Orleans. That's the main, um, that's about 80% of where they're at. Yeah, it sounds like that school was productive there. Yeah, the best and the brightest. That was our logo. That was our motto. So you you left there and... Um... You know, you you do you shop for colleges or hey man, I'm just going to um, Southern A and M over here. Um, did you have your did you have this already picked out? What was the college ex acceptance experience like for you? Yeah, so I was torn about college. College is maybe the one aspect or the one part of my life that I kind of regret. And the reason why I say that is because I was kind of torn between being in state and out of state so i chose southern university in baton rouge because it wasn't in new orleans but it wasn't like i was going out of state so i went there many of my friends went there as well and i i majored in architecture which is um obviously because of my childhood <laughs> 
So that that that's that's kind of where you got all this. Hey man, I'm reading these architecture magazines. I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming. And so this is a dream you've had all the way through high school. I know what I'm going after. I want to be an architect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is why I didn't know. Here's a curveball. So I did not know that architecture was a five-year degree. <laughs> so as soon as I got into college my freshman year, I was in my major. Hmm. So I was buying hundreds of dollars worth of supplies. I was in the studio from literally 9 a.m. to sometimes 9 p.m. making designs. And it was my freshman year was pretty stressful, especially watching my friends and they were taking classes like tennis and stuff like that. (laughs) So um, it was tough, but it was also worth it. Um, I didn't graduate because I felt like college was moving too slow. But I was able to take the years, the two or three years I had of college and architecture to take that to become a real estate investor. So that's pushed me from that major, never worked as an architect, but be able to go out and see homes that need to be renovated, know what needs to be done, what I can take down and what I can take down to actually make the home become something that's sellable. So, so you you're you're out on college year and a half two years in and mm-hmm. now i'm a real estate investor so well yeah you can walk in and look at these places but where'd you get some money from how'd you start this thing you know <laughs> what in the world <laughs> so i learned about finance as well while i was in college so credit is something that most people do not understand and at that time you can buy a house with no money down no job <laughs> So I was one of those people, I acquired one of those Amina loans, no income, no assets, and no doc type loans. So I understood the financial side of it. I had a really great credit. I always believed in paying my bills on time because my mother always taught me to pay my bills on time. So I always had great credit. So by the time I was, what, 2021, I had a 750 FICO score. I didn't have any credit card debt. I had student loans that were in deferment. Uh, but I use that to be able to get a mortgage and use creative financing to make to pay no down payment and essentially get into the house with no money out of pocket. And this was 2002? Yeah. 2000 ish. 2003. Right? Yeah. 2003. Yeah. And are you in Louisiana? Where are you? Yeah. So what happened was I moved from Baton Rouge back to New Orleans. I moved back home. So I bought my first properties back in New Orleans. So buying property or properties so talk to me about that experience okay so now i'm i'm renovating and selling i'm flipping houses basically yeah so the first property i bought i found it online and i called up a realtor i said hey i see this property on on star street and i want to buy it and she was like okay i want to help you buy it so she became my buyer's agent i forgot her name (laughs) but she was horrible she didn't know what she was doing now, at that time, you can buy a house and get money back at closing. You can't do that anymore. So I helped, well, I wanted her to structure the transaction, whereas I buy the house, then I get a credit back at closing to renovate the house. So she didn't know how to do that. So I actually had to negotiate directly with the listing agent to be able to make that um, come together. So once we, we work out the terms and conditions, we got to the closing table and I'm like 20, 21, 22, I don't know. And my realtor's there. And at this time was 
when this, the buyer would be here and the sellers would be here, it was pretty kind of confrontational. And I'm reading it and I'm really good with numbers. I was like, well, I'm paying additional money in closing costs. I shouldn't be paying this to the title rep. And my realtor, she's like, I didn't, I didn't see that. And I'm like, ma'am, please just be quiet. <laughs> you wasn't a part of this process. <laughs> Get your commission check and just leave. Right. But I ultimately, I closed on that property. I got money back at closing. And I used those monies to renovate that property, put a tenant in that property. And that was the beginning of um, what became a pretty, pretty, pretty good career. Yeah. A little empire that you built there, right? Yeah. Yeah. From the so, first property. So your first property, um, um, what would you tell somebody out there that might be in a real estate situation where they're thinking about doing this? Is, is, is now time to do something like that? Or is it too late for that kind of, I know, of course, the you know, no down payment, but as far as just yeah. market conditions, if someone wanted to do that today, is it, in your opinion, wise? Well, real estate, it's a, it's a long-term play. So the investment you make today, you're going to see the benefit 10 years from now. So absolutely, the answer is yes. Real estate is the number one hedge against inflation. So as as of right now, obviously, we're in a high, uh, high state of inflation in our country. So real estate is that asset tool that you would want to invest in. The misconception that most people have is that real estate is to get rich quick. And I thought that too. And I've made a lot of money at one time, but it was stressful. If you focus on get rich slow, long-term assets, long-term income, you can look back 10 years from now and be happy that you made that one decision. You mentioned, you know, uh, one time, made a lot of money here not that you're not making a lot of money but mm -hmm. you know hey and it and it being you use the word stressful yeah it's um, it's stressful when there's uncertainty so and i say that um i bought my first property we didn't talk about this but i'm gonna add this to our conversation i bought two properties and then hurricane katrina happened mm. in 2005 and we all remember what happened with hurricane katrina the good news to me is that the two properties that I purchased, they were in flood zones. And I was required to get flood insurance. So I was able to receive the funds from my insurance company to renovate my home. And I was able to um, take those monies and renovate the houses for less than what the insurance money was to put those monies into a new property. So I was able to get that empire going. I bought multiple homes, literally. I bought blocks of homes from, from different investors who didn't want to invest in New Orleans anymore. And um, when I did that, I would have multiple projects going on and I would try to sell a portion of my assets to cash flow the other assets. And just that interim process of where you can make six figures or more, but you don't have the money to pay payroll sometimes you know, on the money for um, operating expenses. So that's really, really stressful when you have guys that are like, hey, I need my money. Or you know that you need to have certain materials on site for the guys to work. And if not, you just essentially, you're wasting your own money because time is money. Interesting. So yeah. not only were you the CEO of this empire there, but it sounds like you were also the general contractor as well. Yeah, that's that was what I was. I was absolutely a general contractor. Um, so again, talk about adding to the stress. You know, you're you're now paying these 
you know, subcontractors every week when they got families to feed too. Yeah. Yeah. And most of these guys that live paycheck to paycheck. So they want to get paid as soon as they finish the job. Um, so it was certain parts that were really stressful, but ultimately um, it was absolutely very financially fruitful. Sure, sure, sure. I, I can't imagine, you know, um, horrible situation with Katrina, you know, but, uh, you know, I, if I look back, you know, there's a lot of things that have been maybe rebuilt, if you will, um, mm -hmm. rejuvenated. So, um, and I went on the whole Katrina, you know, tour and, and it was just incredible mm -hmm. to see just no way that water was that high. Yeah, the home I lived in was washed away. Literally, when I when I saw my home, it was literally a block away from where it originally was set at. So, you know, I, I don't know that I knew anybody in that situation. Talk to me about that, man. Um, hey, we're we're seeing the weather saying, hey, get out of here, get out of here. <laughs> what did you do? So my family and I, we we came to Dallas. So we left before Hurricane Katrina happened. So by the time I got here, I was watching the news and I still had family that lived there, right? So I had some family there, some that left. But when I saw it in the news, I was just, I didn't believe it was gonna happen because it happens every year in New Orleans. There's always a hurricane that's supposed to hit, that's supposed to happen. And for the most part, it doesn't. We get strong winds, we get tropical storms, but we never actually get a direct hit from a hurricane. So most people don't want to leave or they can't afford to leave. And at this one, with this one time, it was really unfortunate that it actually hit us and the people who could not afford to leave or who didn't think it was going to be that serious, they were the ones that were that were trapped there. Yeah, man, sad situation. I remember all of that. Um, so you guys are in Dallas. Two weeks go by. I don't know how long goes by and then you go home and oh my gosh, you can see yeah. your house. Do you remember that feeling? Yeah, it was about three weeks. I drove back to New Orleans and that feeling was, um, it was hurtful. The most hurtful thing for me was I lost all my pictures. Mm -hmm. So my mother always took pictures of everything that I did when I was a kid. So everything I had is related to the way I look when I was a kid. For the most part, it's all gone. I have maybe six or seven pictures of myself as a kid when I had thousands at one time. Bummer, bummer, bummer. Yeah, man, that's a it's a sad situation. Hurricane Katrina really affected that whole city, man, for sure. Um, yeah. Hopefully that doesn't happen again. So um, it was a blessing and kind of a not so good blessing there in a way. Mm -hmm. um, you were able to add some properties. So at one point in time, you had, I mean, how many properties were you holding in the air here? At one time, I had about... At the most, at one time, maybe 20 properties and about 40 plus properties altogether from 2005 to about 2009 in that okay. four year span. So that was that four year quote stressful time. That yeah. <laughs> I gained a lot of weight. <laughs> I had gray hair way too early. Um, it definitely stressed me out. And now the, the whole thing was this I was living in Dallas. So okay. I would fly back and forth to New Orleans to Dallas literally every 10 days. So I would spend 10 days in New Orleans, then maybe three or four days in Dallas, then 10 days in New Orleans, three or four days in Dallas. And 
my quality of life, my mental capacity was just, it was stretched out. So I really wanted to just live in Dallas and just do business in Dallas and not New Orleans anymore. Yeah, I mean, and you're a young man at this point doing all this, you know, do you have, you know, I know you said you're good with numbers and all these things, but do you also give any credit to like any mentors along the way with this? Whew. I'm gonna give, I have to give it to my mother. Um, I didn't have any direct mentors that taught me um, what to do. I saw it from a distance. So I will say this, I have seven uncles and my mother's brothers, and they are all entrepreneurs. They're not in real estate per se, like directly in real estate, but they all had businesses. So I always watch the way they operate their businesses to understand how to manage employees, how to manage payroll and how to, um, how to sell right? Selling is a big thing and how to negotiate. So they were my, my indirect mentors. I would say my uncles, they're my indirect mentors. And so were they near you growing up? Were you near their businesses? Did you see their businesses at all? And what yeah, kind of so, businesses did they have? Yeah. So I have, I have an uncle, he had a moving company. He had a, a liquor store slash corner store and a few car washes. Another uncle was an electrician. And he also owned investment properties, another uncle. He was an artist, so he would design art. And I would actually help him sell his art and t-shirts and things like that. Another one was uh, as a catering business, being a cook. So it was a variety of businesses that was across different industries, but ultimately they worked by themselves. And that's good family leadership, if you will. Hey, we're mm -hmm. all doing this. So that kind of gets passed on and, and just how we operate yeah yeah and for me and most people don't believe this about me chris but i've never had a job not one single job well, but i always understood go ahead no no say like, but you went right out of college it sounds like straight to hey i can get a i can get a house <laughs> with no money down no money down no job is needed um but just understanding how to manage business, how to manage finances. One thing that many people have a problem with is they make a lot of money or a little money, then they spend it. I saw from my uncles that when they would make money, they would not spend their money because it's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep. Mm -hmm. That's a lesson that I learned as, as a mentee, um, that it's not about the income, but it's about how many expenses you have and not going broke every single week or every single month. Yeah, you know, great if you make 25 grand a month, but if you spend 24, you ain't making no money. <laughs> yeah, it's like pretty much like you live in minimum wage. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So got a, you got a lot of good leaders in your life that showed you this entrepreneur thing. So um, you, you're now living in Dallas. Sounds like 2009 comes along and you sell all this. You're like, I'm done. You know, what was the straw that broke the camel's back that made you change? I think it was one day I had a real, I had a real bad headache or attention headache. I think that I was mentally breaking down. And I looked at myself and I was really young maybe, I don't know, 26, 27. And I was like, I'm living unlike someone my age. So what I did was I sold all of my assets in New Orleans. And then I bought a preschool in Addison. So this business was struggling. And my, my mindset was, 
it's just like real estate. I can buy the building, renovate it, restructure the business, and then grow the business. And that's what I did. So we're going from general contractor, house flipper, to now I'm managing um, a daycare here in Addison. And one heck of a transition, um, but I guess business is business. And did you come in as like CEO or did you come in like also day-to-day -day a little bit operator? Yeah, so the first part is this, it's it, business is business, but again, it goes back to my childhood. My mother always taught me about education. So for me, I always have, I have an infinity about kids and education because that's where their life starts. They're gonna be 80% of who they are between, I don't know, between birth and maybe 10 years old. So for me, because I was the kid that was fortunate enough to have a great mother, I wanted to give that to other kids and give them that same leg up that I had in my life. And then as it relates to my operations, I had a partner in the business and I, I was mostly the CEO, um, the, the um the project manager per se. I didn't deal with day-to-day -day operations for as changing diapers and things like that. Um, but I was definitely on site um, to obviously see those things because our ultimate goal was to rebrand the business and make it something different. Interesting. So what'd you learn from owning a daycare, um, a different type business? Everything. I would say when I owned the daycare business, I learned more about business than I ever learned before, before that. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because I had to learn about marketing. I had to learn about brand and branding. So being an investor was really just all about negotiating. So I would see a for sale sign in the yard, I would call them and I would run my script and say, hey, how much you wanna sell the property for? You want hundred K? Okay, what if I paid you all cash in two weeks? How much would you take? 90,000. Is that the lowest you'll go? Okay, I'll take 85. Okay, I'll give you 80. Deal. There's no branding. There's no who's Terry Hendricks. There's no who's your business. It's all about the money. So once I got the preschool business, I understood clients and, and customers and what they wanted and what they needed. And I realized that with our business, we needed to have a reason why we do business. We just couldn't be a commodity. Uh, we were across the street from another business, a franchise business. And we realized that we had to be different than them because they were competing on price. We had to compete on why. So we turned our business into a why business and truly turned the business around. Interesting, man. That's a, that's a wise statement there. Um, just coming in looking at an, an overall business. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure that it was fun dealing with parents too, right? <laughs> the kids were much better than the parents. I could deal with the kids all day. <laughs> yeah, some of those parents needed a spanking, huh? Yeah, I'm telling you. It was the uh, detachment, right? Because many of them, this was their first time being away from their parents. So their parents had as much of a detachment as the kids did. Mm -hmm. So um, the entrepreneur spirit, I'm hustling this daycare now. Um, is this still something you do? Um, did you guys close this down? You know, what was, what, how'd that process go? Yeah, so I sold that business in 2012, in the 2012, and um, got into being a realtor full-time um, between then. But essentially what I did was, 
at 2012, the end of that year, I decided I need to retire. I'm tired. <laughs> I've worked since I was a kid. I've racked my brain on different ideas, different things, had so many successes and failures. When I sold that business, I took off a few years um, and just I relaxed. I downgraded my life. I had a little bit of money in my bank account. And um, I just relaxed from 2013 to 14, 15, those three years. I just, I was kind of in cruise control. What does relaxing look like? Relaxing looks like. For three years, right? Three years, yeah. Reading and watching TV. Gotcha. And traveling. Yeah. Where's the, coolest place, where's the coolest place you went? The coolest place I went was Hawaii. Went to Honolulu. It was beautiful. That was the furthest place I've ever been, and it was the coolest place I've ever been. So yeah, I went yeah. to Hawaii. It was beautiful. So not everybody gets to take off some time. Um, you know, six, seven years down the road, when you look back at that time off, how do you feel it fits in the timeline? Was hey man, I really needed that. Um, would you recommend that to other people if they get the opportunity? Oh, absolutely. I, I kind of have mixed feelings about it. I look back at that time and say, man, if I would have worked the way I'm working now, then I would be so much further along now, but I'm happier now because I was happy then. So success is one thing, accomplishments are another, but the biggest thing is your overall happiness. And at that period of my life, I think, at least in my adulthood, I was absolutely the happiest. So I don't regret it at all. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. That's, that's cool, man. Um, that's neat. So you, you come back 2015, what, what made you decide it's time to come back? I don't know. I do know it was a fire in my belly and that may kind of, that may seem a little woo woo, um, spiritual, but I was tired of not doing anything and not making a difference. I didn't feel a challenge. So um, I had a little fire in my belly to say, hey, let's go out here and be the best realtor that you can be. Um, I thought it was a business or, or industry that that needed leadership. Um, I joined a company, Remax DFW Associates. And when I was researching companies, I wanted to find the best real estate company in Dallas. And I wanted to be around the best of the best because I was so used to that from my family, from my friends in high school. So I always wanted to have a high level of competition and, and peers around me to push me to that next level. And you chose Remax. Did you look at any other places? You know, did you have people in your ear? You know, what really led you? I know you said these high quality people here, but, you know, was there anything outside of just the people that led you to this place? Our broker, his name is Mark Wolf, um, great leader. Um, he, he's the reason that I chose the company and I'm still there today. And I've only been with one real estate company since I've been in real estate. So leadership absolutely matters. For sure, for sure. And I see that, you know, with accolades, you know, you've got the uh, D Magazine recognition back there for a couple of years. Talk about what that means to you. Yeah, um, D Magazine, um, it's, um, I'm proud of it. It's not an award that many people in um, Dallas um, can achieve, at least being a realtor, that's what, 35,000, 40,000 realtors in Dallas. And there's just a few hundred, maybe a few thousand, if that. 
um, that has uh, achieved this recognition. So it's something I'm proud of, and um, I'm happy to be a part of this organization or, or to get this award. Yeah, and and I, if I read correctly, it's not you didn't win just once, right? You got on there two times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The last two years. Yeah. So since I've kind of been back in the business full time, it's time to to ramp it up again. So, um, you know, talk to me about being a realtor. Um, not I, from I don't think you're just a realtor. You got some other additional value adds that you bring to the table. Um, mm-hmm. so you know, hey, I'm 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 say I'm looking for a house. You know, tell me what all you have to offer here. Yeah. So the biggest thing with me, I feel like with myself being a realtor is that I give people a reason to not do business. I give people a reason to not buy a certain home or to not sell. So when someone's reaching out to me to be their realtor, they can know that they're going to work with someone who's not in it for the commission checks, right? Because as you may know, <laughs> in this business, most realtors, they are in it for the money. And I'm not saying I'm a, a nonprofit organization, but I don't need to sell a house to be able to pay my bills, right? So I don't have what they call commission breath. Um, I really want people to get into really good assets and make great decisions the same way I did so they can actually either build a legacy or cash out on that asset. Okay. And, um, you know, that's good. And and do you have anything else that, yeah, it looks like you might have some um, education or some things on your, on your website. Is that accurate? Mm, well, I educate buyers and sellers on certain processes. So for home buyers, I educate them educate them on the home buying process and also offer value add with home buyers is finding off-market properties. And with off-market properties, it's essentially taking the strategies that I use when I was an investor mm-hmm. to find off-market deals. And I give that to home buyers so we can find more properties aside from the ones that's on the MLS. Gotcha. And then with home sellers, it's really unique because most homes is sell, they sell at the highest price when the house is updated and it looks really, really good. So what I'll do is, if it's feasible, is I'll go in with my team, I'll use my money, renovate the house, get the house perfect to sell, and then get paid at closing. So there's no other realtor that I know of that's offering that. And it's a service that's a value add for home sellers. So my wife's a therapist, so we talk about active listening. And what I think I heard you say is, hey, man, we find a house, you know, I can actually help you get in that. I'm still GCing, uh, general contracting, and, you know, we can get this house turned around for you. So you go through with the purchase. I'll take care of the additional renovation for you. Absolutely. So a great example, I gave you a quick story about a home I just sold in Prosper. The homeowner wanted to sell her property. And she was like, because she follows me on social media, she was like, I know a bunch of realtors, Harry, but they can't help me the way I know that you can help me. It's really unique. So the house needed to be updated. Beautiful home. So what I did was we went in, a portion of it, the homeowner paid for, the other portion I had my vendors hold it until closing. So we repaint the entire house. We put in new carpet and we put in new fixtures. We just just enough, just enough to get the house to be able to sell. And we did this in the beginning part of this year. And as you know, the market shifted right around June. And we put the house in the market at the end of May, the beginning of June, right when this shift happened. 
and it didn't sell instantly. I was expecting, you know, multiple offers over asking price, but that didn't happen. But we were really, really proud and happy that we did do the work up front because we did sell the property, whereas the other houses in the community, they did not sell. So it was a great value add for that homeowner. Wow, yeah, you, that's, that's, that's a good story. Um, talk to me a little bit about that market transition there. Um, you know, and, and just from being on this side of it, it seems like it went from, you know, really spicy hot to <laughs> maybe not so warm anymore. So just, you know, what's your opinion? What's your observation of, of the time that we're in? Yeah, so we are definitely in, we're definitely in some changing times. Um, what's happening is because of higher interest rates with the Fed trying to reduce inflation, home buyers cannot afford as much of a home as they once were able to afford several months ago. So because of that, the entire market is taking a shift. It's not going down, but it's correcting. And it's correcting to a pace that's um, reflective of the current interest rate environment that we're currently in. Yeah, and maybe even, you know, reflecting some more realistic prices, if you will, because to me, that looked like there might have been some hype coming along with those low interest rates. Yeah, yeah, and it's a good thing because that market couldn't, it wasn't sustainable. You couldn't keep that 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 pace up and up and up. Um, it had to balance out at one point. And it's a good thing for home sellers as well as home buyers because now buyers can, essentially, they can buy a house again. Yeah, I've got some some folks in a group I'm in here and you know they were so glad that they waited to buy a house. They were trying, 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 and he just couldn't pay that much more over. Yeah. And then, you know, you find out, okay, well, you know, does it, does it go down a little bit more from here? I guess that's the next question. You know, does the, how far down does it kind of slowly trickle here? Well, if I do that answer, I'd be a zillionaire. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's, it's like, how long can you wait to not own a home too? It's, yeah. Yeah, this is an asset. It's a long-term asset. So it's an investment. It's an investment. The best thing to do is make a great decision. Now. It may look at your total cost basis in a project. And then take it from there. Prices may go down short term, but over the next seven to 10 years, what do you see prices at? And that should be your thought process when making that decision. Is would this be a short-term flip investment, get rich quick, which doesn't exist, or would this be a long-term, slow, steady process upward? And that should be your thought process when making a decision on buying a home. Mm, yeah. Um, I also like to ask this question. Um, we all survived this thing called Corona. Oh, mm -hmm. Not all of us, um, but yeah. um, talk to me what it was like for business. You know, that was, you're in a face-to-face -face business out here and showing yeah. homes. Um, what was it like? Yeah, so COVID was absolutely a curveball for all of us, um, especially us, especially us being here in real estate. Initially, when things began to open back up in the summertime of 2020, people were fearful. So home sellers were fearful of having people, strangers come through their house, right? Because you don't know who's coming through your home. So you want them to wear masks and gloves. So we absolutely took extra precautions um, to do so. One of the things that I did use to help. Oh. One of the things you did. <laughs> so one of the things that I did um, to to combat that was I have a camera, it's called a Matterport. It's a 3D virtual toy camera. 
And that camera does a 3D walkthrough of the home. So home buyers can see the actual property without actually being inside of the home. So that was one of the tools that I utilized for home sellers and buyers who were fearful of going in someone else's home. So is this also the start of maybe ramping up social media presences too? Or, or hey, I was on social media, but hey, I took it to another level during the corona. Yeah, that's part two. So I was already consistent on social media, uh, but once COVID happened, I absolutely took it to the next level. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, did you see there was a big, you know, did people come back buying houses really quickly? Did you know, did it really drop off that much during the during that? Time? It did. It did. So if we look back at 2020 and COVID happened, maybe February, March of 2020, we saw a, a decline between that time and I would say August because there was so much uncertainty. Obviously, the stock market was down big time. Travel stocks, hotel stocks, hospitality stocks were down big time. I began to notice people coming back outside, essentially around October of 2020. And that's when people started to realize that rates are low, money is cheap, and it's time to get into a house with these really, really low interest rates. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, um, and now, and then the boom hit, right? And the boom hit. That was the beginning of the boom. Yeah, so um, cool, man. Um, so if, if somebody out there is looking to buy a home or thinking about doing some renovations, you know, you're their guy, you know, what do you want to tell those people out there that potentially looking for a house? Yeah. So when looking for a home, I would suggest to look at location first. Location should be the number one thing when you consider buying a home. So look for good areas with good schools, well out of growth. Also with location, do not buy a house that's near a highway, public utilities and things like that. You want to have quiet enjoyment. So those are going to be, oh, that's going to be the biggest thing when it comes to long-term valuation of your home. And then the second thing with renovations and updating your property, you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck in the kitchen and the massive bathroom. So those two spaces, you really want to pay additional details to. Yeah. And the third thing is, you know, call my man Terry, right? <laughs> call me. Yeah. <laughs> Come to Terry, terryhendricks.com. So I, I like to think about this as it sounds to me like, hey, Terry, I don't know a whole lot about this house buying thing. Sounds like you've done this, you know, 40 plus times on your own, plus uh, countless clients of your own. Um, I can trust you to take care of the process and you really give me that honest um, opinions that I need to know um, through that process of buying and or selling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a true trusted advisor, that's what I look at myself as. Someone is going to give you my honest or the honest opinion, professional opinion, and someone who's not going to lead you in the wrong direction. I look at all of my family or all of my clients as my family. And there's a saying that I, I live by is that friends don't let friends make bad decisions. So um, it's a shameless plug for myself, but I don't let the people around me, if I can help it, make bad decisions. Yeah, I hear that, man. It just kind of goes to the importance of it sounds like your friendships that you made there in high school. I can hear mm -hmm. that a little bit. So yeah, um, that's cool. So what about um, um, what are we going to catch Terry doing for fun now outside of being a realtor? You know, are you golfing? <laughs> are you tennising? You know, what are you doing? What's what's, what's your fun? fun? Fun for me right now is traveling. Oh, Chris, I'm, I'm out of here. 
yeah. <laughs> every every three every every three months I want to go somewhere. So I just came back from Vegas, obviously with wine and the guys. Um, I went to um, Dominican Republic um, this summer, at the beginning of the summer. I went to Vegas earlier this year. Um, and then hopefully one more time this year, I plan on going somewhere else. So it's all about travel for me. I want to see different places, experience different cultures and um, meet new people, meet different people. That's, a, that's what my passion is. And that's what I find fun right now. Um, I spend a lot of time watching YouTube blogs, travel blogs. So um, I'm excited about that. Yeah, neat, neat. Yeah, I, uh, I farthest place I traveled, we were talking about the Corona earlier is I went to, I was in Israel, uh, second, wow. week of, second week of March, 2020. I fly home and three days later, nobody's going anywhere. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just glad I made it home. <laughs> yeah. So how was Israel? If you don't mind me asking, how was um, it? It was uh, an incredible, neat place. Um, I'm a Bible guy. Um, I'm a Jesus guy. So I'm I'm walking around Jerusalem and I'm like, say yeah. what? Say what? Yeah. You know, look at this and look at this yeah. and why are they and how come that and what is that on the wall? And so I'm I'm one of those guys that asks lots of questions. But it was um, coming from small town East Texas where I was born and raised to see something significant like that, uh, historical things of that age. Mm -hmm is wow you know you've never seen anything that old over here yeah uh, i will tell you israel is on my top five places to go so yeah and uh, we we spent time in tel aviv you know and and kind of went back and forth and it was a really neat time and the, the jewish people are kind people and um you know there's a large um young population over there too hmm. So I find it fascinating too that in Israel everyone goes through the military. Interesting. Yeah. So like everyone that I worked with with at this company that I was with, they all had a military background, and so I think that I wonder what that might look like in our society. Not that you need to go be a warrior, but there were some people that went through the military, and they their degree was exercise fitness. You know, you could get an architectural degree, degree. You know, or you could go into AI combat. Nice. So it was a, but I just wonder from a discipline perspective if everyone, you know, and their their college was paid for too. There wasn't any student loans like you and I had. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I, I absolutely have to be in Israel within the next two years. So it's definitely on my top five. My top yeah. five. Yeah, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. So, but Terry, hey, tell us how people can get in touch with you. Um, tell us what we can find you um, if we're ready to sell and or buy and or renovate. Well, I'm easy to find. So you can go to my website, terryhendricks.com. I'm on all social media platforms. I'm on Facebook, Terry T. Hendricks. Instagram, Terry Hendricks Real Estate. Um, and my number is, it's 214-784-8394. And my email is terry at terryhendricks.com. So I'm pretty consistent. Cool. Listen, Terry, this was a pleasure. It's been great getting to know you. And thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Chris.